Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Did you know that over 95% of all businesses fail within the first 10 years? By listening in to what Bob's guests have to say, plus direction from Bob Pritchard himself, it's our intention that you won't be among those statistics. Now, here's your host, Bob Pritchard. Hello, world. Welcome to the 403rd edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show on Voice America Business Channel, and we're broadcasting right across the world in this, our ninth year. I've just arrived back in Los Angeles today after a rapid trip to Australia. So I'm back where entertainment meets technology. As you probably know, it's Amazon Prime couple of days where they have this massive sale across the world and lots of entertainment and uh, it's really a big deal, and they're expecting to sell something like $6.5 billion worth of product in two days. Well, just as um, Prime Day started, Amazon workers across the world went on strike to protest what they say are poor working conditions and low pay, and workers are rallying under the slogan, no more discounts on our income. So some of the first strikes were confirmed in Germany, with the US, Spain, United Kingdom, Poland also striking, and more countries following. Amazon are not exactly the worker's friend. They might be the customer's friend, but they ain't the worker's friend. Amazon's warehouse worker tracking system can automatically fire workers without a human supervisor's involvement. That's pretty tacky. Amazon's system not only tracks warehouse workers' productivity, but also can automatically fire them for failing to meet expectations. Amazon's actually confirmed that it fired hundreds of people for productivity reasons in just one facility over the course of a year. But due to workers' awareness of its system, the rate at which it is firing people from its warehouses has actually decreased, but that means poor bastards are working much harder and looking over their shoulder all the time. Amazon's demanding culture of worker productivity has been revealed in multiple investigations, but a new report indicates that Amazon has fired more than 300 workers citing productivity at one single facility in Baltimore in a year. In general, the number of employee terminations have decreased over the last years, but um, it's still a pretty tacky way to do it. Amazon system tracks a metric called time off task, means how much time workers pause or take breaks or go to the bathroom. It's been previously reported that some workers feel so pressured that they don't take bathroom breaks, or there's even reports of people pissing in a bottle. So if the system determines that employees are failing to meet productivity, Activity targets, it automatically issues warnings and then terminates you without a supervisor. While all employees in every job know they could be fired if they fail to meet their performance objectives, few of us are managed by an automated system tracking our every movement that has full authority to make that decision. You know, you'd expect to sit down and talk to the boss, wouldn't you? And of course, people are not robots. People have highly productive days and less productive days. The true benefit of a human workforce isn't to use people like cogs in a production wheel, but to employ humans who are creative, can solve problems and can learn and grow if they're given the breathing room to do so. Nevertheless, 
Amazon's mechanisms for exacting productivity are persuasive in many areas of its operation. For instance, drivers delivering Amazon packages have reported feeling so pressured that they speed through neighbourhoods, blow by stop signs and, again, pee in bottles in the trucks. And as Amazon's business continues to grow, putting smaller businesses out of, out of business right across the world, the companies need to deliver ever more packages as fast as possible isn't going away anytime soon. Now, do you get my daily 30-second read business newsletter? I say it takes 30 seconds to read, but it really doesn't. It can take you a minute, a minute and a half. But what's a minute and a half out of your life to be the most educated person in your business? We've now got about 1.7 million daily subscribers. And every day we tackle a different subject. We talk about advances in medicine, to new apps, to new technology, to subjects like Hyperloop, um, autonomous cars, blockchain, crypto. And in tomorrow's newsletter, I talk about why when brick and mortar retailers being decimated by e-commerce, Costco has managed to experience consistent growth. Costco prioritizes the interests of its customers and its employees over that of its shareholders, and it pays. Costco's has a weird business model, yet it has 770 locations, 245,000 employees, and more than $140 billion in sales. And I think half of them are in our cupboards here at the house. You always go in thinking you're going to spend 60 or 80 bucks and come out spending 500 So I discuss the reasons why this happens in my newsletter. So the one thing you can trust for the latest in up-to-date business information is the Bob Pritchard newsletter. And to receive it, simply go to my website, bobpritchard.com, and subscribe. It's easy. It'll take you about two seconds. Now, I've spent many years working with startup and early-stage companies, and after seeing them from the inside and out, from seed rounds to billion-dollar companies, from board meetings and CEO dinners to coaching sessions, I see three mistakes being made by companies time and time again. The first is underestimating the importance of narrative when fundraising. Too many people expect a good product or solution to speak for itself. (coughs) Doesn't happen. Investors invest in and employers join in and journalists write about compelling stories and your pitch deck is really just a vehicle for telling the story that you want to tell. So start first with the narrative and build the deck after you've got the uh, narrative nailed. Secondly, you need to describe your solution to the problem and why now is the ideal time for it. You need to... um, Every product or service has got to solve a problem. So you have to explain what that problem is and how you fix it. Thirdly, you need to demonstrate how your solution will change the world. If you're generating sales, provide product traction such as metrics and milestone-focused traction and why this traction will continue. Your narrative must be concise and accessible. Anything that doesn't powerfully support one of your points should be left out. Out. If you have a powerful narrative, you should be able to have a conversation with somebody who is a novice at your industry and guide them through it. And in the end, they should think your 
business is amazing and going to be successful and either come and work for you or give you loads of money. The second mistake people's companies make is when they're pitching, they spread their solutions too thin. You've got to focus on a very narrow target audience. The broader your target audience in the initial stages, the less effective it will be. And the third mistake is not re-evaluating and reorganizing talent for your current needs. You need to constantly reevaluate and um, pivot if you need to. Now, today's interview is incredible. It's long, but it's really fucking interesting. It's with a guy named Stephen Machat. He's a worldwide entertainment attorney. He's a music publisher, manager of music talent and record label owner, as well as a film producer. His clients have included the Electric Light Orchestra, Peter Gabriel, Phil Collins, Rolling Stones, Leonard Cohen, Phil Spector, Snoop Dogg, Bobby Brown. He's had everybody and all of the gangsters and everybody else that are involved in the music business, particularly back in the 70s, 80s and 90s. And he was also involved with all the rappers. So he wrote the book, God's Gangsters and Honour. It's proclaimed as an insider's guide to the music industry. Stephen is a hell of an interesting guy. And he's got some extraordinary tales to tell. And I think probably most of them are true. But he's a great raconteur. And I hope you enjoy listening to him as much as I enjoyed speaking with him. This is Bob Pritchard, and I'll be back with Stephen in just a moment. Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Straight Talking Radio Show. For the last nine years, God, that's a long time, we've given you an insight into the lives of some of the world's most interesting business people. We talk about their new initiatives we also talk to entrepreneurs behind various projects about the services they provide and the challenges that they've faced. And we try to ascertain what it is that makes our interviewees tick. What is it that makes them unique? Well, Steve Machat 
is one of America's premier entertainment attorneys. His father, entertainment lawyer Marty Mashat, was known for representing some of the most important and influential entertainers of our time, including Sugar Ray Robinson and legendary artists like James Brown. I feel good. Dinah Washington, Brooke Benton, Phil Spector, Sam Cooke, Rolling Stones. Big list. Now, Steve started his commercial career as a law partner with his father in their law firm, Mashat Mashat, in New York, L.A. and London. He became a worldwide entertainment attorney, music publisher, manager of music talent and record record label owner, as well as a film producer. Stephen's clients have included the Electric Light Orchestra, Genesis, Peter Gabriel, Phil Collins, Leonard Cohen, Phil Spector, Snoop Dogg, Bobby Brown, and the list goes on. He wrote the book God's Gangsters and Honour, and it was proclaimed as an insider's guide to the music industry. In addition, Stevens ventured into the creative and business process in theatre, movies, and movie soundtracks. Things such as Elvis, the West London production, Private Lives with Elizabeth Taylor, Flashdance, Street Fighter, Judge Dredd, Hope, an album with the Dalai Lama, dedicated to peace, and the award-winning music documentary Bird on a Wire about Leonard Cohen's travels from Dublin Island to Tel Aviv, Israel. Stephen's written four books, Highways of Man, The Odyssey Almanac, Man, Community and Living the American Dream, God's Gangsters and Honour, A Rock and Roll Odyssey, Sacred Knowledge, A Rock and Roller's Guide to Higher Consciousness. God, he's been busy, this bloke. He was a U.S. Senate candidate. He lost out to Marco Rubio in Florida. He's had an extraordinary life. He travels constantly. And uh, I guess because of this amazing life, he's a great raconteur. Hi, Stephen. Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show on Voice America Business Network. You're being heard right around the world. Very cool. The shot heard around the world. The shot heard. My voice talking to your voice. (laughs) There you go. Um, Hey, hey, by the way, yes, I'm legally trained, but I don't practice law. I don't believe in this legal system. I, I'm like a fugitive from injustice. This legal system doesn't work. And I've dedicated my life to fixing it because it can work. Yeah. I'm also an accountant. So what I did is I studied so I would have, be able to have the ammunition, the weaponry of economic warfare. We live in a world where they tell you we're capitalists. Yeah. But capitalist means to accumulate, not right. to create. And to accumulate, they tell you to go steal other people's property, rob their minerals, suck them into bad contract, and then go to the biggest church you can and pray to God to be forgiven. <laughs> we go and kill people around the world. True. And we tell everyone else they're terrorists. Well, we're the biggest terrorist nation running nonstop. Yeah. We have never kept our words. We break all Ten Commandments every breath we take. We have a legal system for the poor, and then we have no legal system for the rich. And I could go on and on. And my book, I wrote five books. My new book is called Spiritual Insomnia. And it's basically what I learned running from office. What we do is we run from truth. Yeah. You know, when, when someone finally shows up, the people people fear the most are those brave enough to speak the truth. 
because people are sheep. Well, I'm a black sheep, and maybe I want all of us to be black sheeps. I'll just speak the truth, and that's how I travel all over the world. I want to know the truth. Right. And Bob, pull it out of me. Let me give it to you. Okay. Well, let, let's. Spiritual insomnia, by the way, the yep. Catholic Church has upset the book exists, and they want to ban it. I put it in Spanish, and it's coming out in Hebrew, German, and Russian. I'd love to get you a copy. I don't know if our mutual friend got it to you or whatever, but you'd like it. I hear it in your voice. Yeah. I'll... Your audience would like it because they tell the truth. Yeah. Okay. You've, you've got me. Let's. But, Be... Fire away. Yep. Fire away at me. Give me some more holes in my body. <laughs> let, let, let's just. Run I'm not going to die. Let's just run over a bit of your childhood and, and background first, then we'll get into the book. Um, during your formative years, you grew up with a legendary father who, who represented black entertainers that at that stage um, had to sneak in the back door of clubs and. With the colour prejudice that was around at those times, your childhood must have been interesting, but it also must have been challenging and possibly dangerous. How about this one? One day my dad calls me. I'm seven years old. And he says, son, I just want you to hear this. I go, what, dad? He says, we just got into a hotel, Surfside, Florida, which is Miami. Yep. Beach, as people know it. Sure. He said... I'm here with Sugar Ray, and son, I want you to remember this, maybe so I could repeat it to you now. He says, the hotel said no niggers or Jews allowed, and guess what? We're in. <laughs> it, it seemed to me that... Oh, by the way, yep. it's not just the 50s with Dad in early 60s. I had the new edition. It's not just then. I had all these gangster rappers. Yeah. I mean... This country is a racial nightmare, but so is Australia. Yeah, that's true. I was true. down there. You know, we have the wasp running around the world, killing everybody, saying God chose us to be Christ. It's like, what are you telling people? <laughs> There's so much we could learn if we learn music, if we learn the flow of energy and creativity. And that's why I do what I do. I yeah. travel around the world producing music. And go ahead. Ask um, me about my childhood again. It would... My point was race, racism didn't end in the 50s. No, I know. I appreciate that. Absolutely. And after the tweets this morning, jeez. Anyway, we won't get into that side of politics. Um, no, you can. You can. This moron's telling those four women, excuse me, Donald Trump, your grandfather came over here lying, saying he was a German when he was Swedish. Yeah. You know, it's like, hey, excuse me, you created, your family created the KKK. Yep. You're sitting there, and you're German, as you claim, and you married a Russian bride, you paid her, and now you got a surf from a Sylvanian. I'm not knocking him, but this guy better be consistent. What he did today is disrespectful and disgusting. Absolutely. I, and I the problem, totally agree. The problem is the corporate Democrats. That's the problem in America. These corporate Democrats believe corporations need to do everything and tell you what to do and how to do it. You know, Nancy Pelosi, this woman needs to be retired. She and I had a, a war because she stopped me from being incoming a congressman. Right. She had people from the DCC, Democratic Congressional yep. Caucus. They came to me and they said to me, if you want to be a congressperson and represent the DCCC, you need to say these things. I said, 
I don't want to represent the DCCC. I want to represent the people of the 26th district in Florida. By the way, that district yep. is Latino. Yep. And by the way, where did the word Latino come from? That's the Vatican saying, these people are Latino. We own them. It's crazy. You and I are speaking a Latin derivative language. Yep. And you're not allowed to know that. Okay, let's get anyway, back. Go ahead. Let's get back to it. We'll get back on track. When you when you're a kid, that that experience must have been sort of depressing and scary. And I would have thought that would have put you off following your dad's footsteps, but it obviously inspired you somehow. It was it was like getting a bolt of electricity, watching people hate and watching these people be brave enough to just ignore it and go on doing what they were doing. Sugar Ray Robinson used to come to our house. It was in a place called Roslyn, R-O-S-L-Y-N. Yep. Roslyn, New York, was also the Mason Center. And we could get into that later or another conversation. And it was basically where Washington went to get his marching orders to get the British out of America, which never happened. I mean, the Queen of England owns more of New York than anybody. But um, why I'm saying this to you, it's sort of hilly when it's not real hilly. So he would come over and he'd run and he would make me ride my bike alongside him. He didn't make me. I was honored to do it with him. Sure. And I'm saying this only so you understand something. He taught me so much about life. He taught me that the most, there's only one temple, boy. I go, what temple is that? He goes, your body. You need to learn how to take care of your body. Be vain. That's your clothing that God gave you. Everything else is what man makes. Yeah. You take care of your body and don't throw it away. He taught me that. Yeah, That's the good. most important thing I've learned. I've listened to him. Yeah, I worked, um, you may not know this, but I worked with Evander Holyfield when he was world champion. And uh, he. That's very cool. He used to say the same thing look after your body. You know, if you keep that, keep that temple um, heading in the right direction, your mind will always follow. So, uh, so in, let's go back to your early days as attorney. Um, that was the wild days of rock and roll, and uh, again, I was a I was a performer back in the sixties and seventies, and um, they were much wild, wilder days than they seem to be now. Were performers like the Stones difficult to look after? I mean, was it a was it a constant battle to try and keep these guys on the well reasonably straight and narrow and out of trouble? Well, what's reasonably straight and what's reasonably narrow, right? <laughs> I, knew, I knew you'd say that as soon as I said it. <laughs> yeah, it's like... Well, out of jail, they, put it that way. Were, <laughs> I mean, by the way, with the clients that I had to get out of jail the most of my whole life, even when I was managing them and producing them, were the gangster rappers. Yeah. This society is so racial that they wanted blacks to be niggers and they had them act as niggers. Yeah. And I'm using words... Because that's the truth. They had them raping, killing, and pillaging each other on MTV. Mm. It's like, what are you doing? They, they created this atmosphere so these kids who are Americans, I must add, yep. they're not African Americans. There's yep. 55 countries in Africa. So what does my idiot country do? Well, let's divide you. You're black, you're white, you're African Americans. And if you're white, you're American. It's like, excuse me. You know, when I ran for Senate, I told... I was with the um, the LGBT, right? Yep. And they came to me and they said to me, you know, we're going to vote for you. I said, thank you. They said, but you know, you're crazy. I go, why am I crazy? They said, 
you don't understand that when the people who hide the fact that they're gay, like some of our politicians, sure, that makes it that makes it scarier for us. I said, well, that needs to end. They said it will never end unless you get everyone out of the closet. I said, you know, you don't need to fit into a hole. You could be a square and you could be a triangle, or you need to be human. Yeah, you no know, man, woman with a consciousness. Well, anyway, very- go back. Very difficult to come out of the closet, though, though you know, I, I understand where they're coming from. It's really difficult because there's so much prejudice that... Um, how and, how and, about the man that saved England with the computer? He's the guy that broke the code, yeah, right? Yep. Yeah. And th- then the British killed him. Yeah. Because well, he was gay. It's like, are you kidding? That's horrible. Yeah. Horrible. I think the one... We need to stop people. I think the one thing that the LGBT community had kind of right is um, when they said you were nuts. I think they were. <laughs> I think they might have been a little bit close. <laughs> hey, maybe we're all nuts. Yeah, and we agree all with chose it. to come into this. We all chose to come into this physical form. Yeah. And to do what? The answer is we came here to learn love, and the answer is we through love, through the creation, through the arts and sciences, we become more than we were. And the whole game is, you know, once while traveling across the sky, this lovely planet caught my eye. Being curious, I flew close by. Now we're stuck here till we die. And we're stuck here until we learn how to live together, be together, share together, work together. And then we can move on to the next dimension. That ain't going to happen in my lifetime. (laughs) It may it may. Well, we've got we've got people. Unfortunately, we've got people now at the top dividing us as hard and as fast as they can, and trying to fragment us into as many pieces that can fight with each other as possible. And uh, which is unfortunate because I felt that we were going through a period where things weren't good, but they were better. Um, and now we're going oh, back. By the way, Peter Gabriel. Yeah. When I worked with him, we put out music that spoke about it. He had a song called "Not One of Us." Yeah. These, these morons believe this power in division, making us hate each other, fear each other. Yeah. Each and every one of us, everyone listening to this right now has the same wants and needs that you and I do. Yeah. But instead, they become interest slaves. And then they tell you that the Chinese are horrible. I just got back from doing a tour in China with my Spanish guitar play, which was fantastic. Yeah. And I learned the Chinese print money, and there's no interest on it in the U.S., we have interest on it. They told me I would be, not be able to get any radio, any of my internet. I'm a baseball fan, I confess. I watched the New York Yankees streaming it all over China. Yeah. Everything my country tells us is a lie. The Chinese are dedicated I, to the creation of art. They build places to share it. They encourage it. I agree. I did, That's did, what I'm all about. I did, um, I did a tour. I, I, I'm a speaker as you may know, I did a 10-city tour of Iran just um, three or four years ago, and it was fantastic. I wish and, I was your ballet. <laughs> and the picture we have... I, I, I would love to go there. Yeah, it's fabulous. It is fabulous. And the picture that we're shown of a guy walking in front and, and you know, five women behind in their burqas, that's bullshit. You know, you find, um, you find some burqas in... Um, 
the the religious centres, but you you and don't you, see them in the in the normal people around the street, and they're all wearing their Michael Jackson T-shirts and sorry. You ever go? You ever go to a nunnery? N- you ever no. watch the nuns? No. Yeah. The Catholic nuns—they wear a barker. Yeah, I get the point. <laughs> and, and how about the Hasidic Jews? Yeah. Excuse me, what are they doing? How about the Vatican when they put on their purple robes, telling you that this is what Jesus Christ did? Yeah, well, you know, it, always, it makes me sick. I've always been. And by the yeah. way, I had the only Iranian gold record ever. All right, a band called Strunson Farah. Yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. I've always been afraid of of. Um, Old men in scarlet dresses have always scared the Christ out of me. However, um, <laughs> you know, in Panama, where they used to disembark, first off, the slave trade was created by the Vatican in 1455, a papal bull by uh, Nicholas V telling good Catholics they can now buy the, uh, Af- the blacks, they call them blacks, the Negroes, yep. from. Um, their families as domesticated animals. They used to disembark them in Panama. And in the place called Portobello, there was a church. And they all had to pass through the church. It's in my book, both Sacred Knowledge and Spiritual Insomnia. I show it to you. And here's why I interrupted you. They had him in your purple robe that you just spoke of. And he was black. And they said, this is the black Jesus. And he's laced in gold. And they told these, these people, people, that if they behave themselves, they could sit next to Jesus in the next life. Go serve us now. <laughs> it's crazy. It's ridiculous, isn't it? Um, all right. Um, also, I, I did a radio show from the walls of the Vatican, uh, sorry, of the Vatican, of the Kremlin in Russia um, a few months ago. And I was talking about... Very um, cool. And I was talking about um, uh, censorship on the internet and... I had freedom to say anything I wanted. We had a lot of people there. I could say anything I wanted. There was no restrictions on what I said or who I criticised or whatever. It was great. So most of the stuff we hear in the Western media is bullshit. Anyway, let's go back to this. Let me, let me tell you something real quick. I'm producing, finishing a movie called 321 Stalingrad. It's the war of World War II. It was filmed in Russia with 3,000 participants. And it's about the Battle of Stalingrad, which turned the war around. Right. Because we didn't, we didn't beat the Russia, uh, Germans. The Russians did. And I'm going to give you food for thought for later on. Why, why is it always Russia's on the east and we're on the west? What's the problem? It's real simple. No one wants to believe this, but check it out, my friends. 1066. The Eastern Orthodox Church, which was spiritual, as opposed to the Vatican, which is material, they both divorced each other. They, they excommunicated each other, and for a thousand years, those two churches are fighting each other through the guise of nations and leaders. Yeah. There's no reason to hate the Russians. You lived it. You saw it. They're human beings. Yeah. I, I, love, I love Moscow. I could, I, if I could speak the language... I could live in, you know, I prefer to live in LA where I've been for 20, 32 years, but I could live in Moscow quite easily. It's a great city. Okay, let's go back to... Just cover your ears. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. It gets cold. <laughs> now, you, um, you sort of carved your own niche, as is evidenced by your book, 
God's Gangsters and Honour. And now you've just reissued it with extra anecdotes, including those about Michael Jackson and Freddie Mercury. Your book's full of unbelievable stories. Were you hammered with heaps of lawsuits? Did, did everybody... No, I tell the truth. And by the way, this is really important for you and listeners who do buy the books. I don't sit and throw trash on these people. Yeah. I tell you the lessons, the spiritual lessons I learned by helping making these people big stars. Yeah. I help create, and I create celebrities, and celebrities became gods, and then they needed a gangster, so everyone believed that the celebrity is a god. And people listening, please hear this. I wrote that book so you understand each and every one of these fake gods is nothing different than you. They are you. And what happened was they had a team and they put together a dream. Life is not an island, but we live in a society, what we call the Western world, where you're mired in debt. You're taught to have copy everybody else. I call it mass democracy. You're either A or B. You can't be C, D, E, and F and the other 20 letters. It's wrong. And yeah. only through music did I learn this. I've made music in over 100 countries. You know, and it's... It's, it's just wrong. But, you know, you were asking about Freddie Mercury and Michael Jackson. Excuse me, Freddie Mercury. Forget what he did. He tried to molest me once in a club, tell me if I partook with him, I could be his lawyer. I'm like, not under those terms. I want it, Because 1978, when this went down, he wasn't really big in America. Yeah. I couldn't stand him. I couldn't <laughs> stand him. And then in the early 80s, when he came down with AIDS, yeah. and they covered it up, he well, came down with AIDS, and he started, he started basically having sex with other males to give him AIDS. Yeah. He got tried, if you remember. Yeah. They tried him for attempted murder. They, they, and you make a hero out of that? And then Roy Thomas Baker? Roy Thomas Baker is as much as Queen's success as anybody. Where was Roy Thomas Baker in that movie? Yeah. You know, I think celebrities, all bullshit anyway, you know, I know. I'm like you, I know quite a lot of celebrities and, and um, you know, they've got their PR machines just pushing out stories constantly and, um, you know, they, they... Fake stories, right? They, yeah, they, fake stories. They hide from the media five seconds after they phone the media to tell them where they are. I mean, it's... Yeah. <laughs> it's all one big pretend. Um, so... Uh, Something just popped into my head. If you had a dinner party tonight, and I know you've probably been asked this before, if you had a dinner party tonight, who would be the six most interesting people? And they can be good guys and bad guys, because I know you're talking about entertainment, but I'll, I'll bet you that you've been involved with some of the gangster bad type guys in your day, because that's the sort of environment of you're in. I have. So if you can yeah, have... Six people to dinner. Who would be the six most interesting people? Well, let me let me ask you a question so you could you could put me in a position to give you the real answer. Are they living or dead? <laughs> oh, I don't give a shit whether they're living or dead. Either one. I would have Socrates. Oh, okay. I would have Gandhi. Yep. I would have Socrates. I would have Gandhi. I would have Beethoven. Yeah, I would have Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Yeah, I'd have Thomas Jefferson. Yep. You know, and then there's one more person. Who would I have? So I'm trying to figure it. 
a musician. You know, I, I grew up with Lenny Cohn. Lenny Cohn and I would sit nonstop having philosophical debates about how the Jewish religion is just a lie and how Christianity is a fraud. Yeah. Nonstop. And then when he wrote, before he died, he finally wrote the song that he had for years called You Want It Darker. Yeah. And, you know, I called him up because I had my issues with him when he ran away with our secretary <laughs> and then took everything from us. And then the, my favorite Lena Cohen thing is she's, the secretary that stole everything from us then stole things allegedly from Leonard. Yeah. I thought it was the funniest thing in the world. I said, what do you want me to do? You sleep with fleas, you live with fleas. <laughs> Lennon and I made up. He's an extraordinary talent, wasn't he? Film. He knew. He, he just didn't know how to live it. Yeah. He knew we were all liars. He's an extraordinary you know, talent. Song everybody knows. Listen to everybody knows, you know. Everyone wants their box of chocolate. Everyone wants their rose. Everybody knows the game is fixed. The dice are loaded. It is, but it yep. can end. My goal is to end it. Okay, That's why you, I'm doing what I'm doing. Who, who are your most interesting people from your recent past, from the 70s onwards? Who are, who are half a dozen of the most interesting people? Jimmy Carter. Yep. But he was so far over his head. Yeah, amazing person. Ronald Reagan. Yep. Ronald Reagan. Carl Rove. Carl Rove. That's um, interesting. Yeah, okay. I'm, you know, and then... What about what entertainment people? By the way, politicians are entertainers. They the, lie. The tr true. They sing, they sing someone else's song. <laughs> you know, it's like, are you kidding me? <laughs> and then what they all did is once they get their hands on money, like all these art, like Peter Gabriel, I've loved Peter Gabriel. I did everything I could to help him happen. I just, I manipulated so much it's in the book. And then he got scared. Yeah. I mean, we were, we were running around with Amnesty International. And then one day I'm like, hey, wait a minute. Amnesty International is corporate. You need board approval to sit and tell a story. Are you kidding me? What are you doing? The music today is absolute junk. It's corporate, watered down nonsense. The only music you can get here in America is hip-hop. We don't teach people how to sing. We don't teach them how to write. We don't teach them how to dream. We teach them how to get a job and go become part of the factory where they work for the bankers. The music here is junk. I go around the world searching for artists that I could touch, I could feel, and that sing to me so I could sing back to them. I attract artists like few people ever will because I get it. I totally get them. I was just with Akon. Remember Akon? Yeah, That's I love Akon. What a great talent well, he is. Got a, yeah, he's got a new record coming out. I'm like, and we're going to put him on the, he's doing a show for us out here to, to launch the new record. And I'm like, man, you've got to do this. Yeah. You know, let's go. Tell the people your story. Yeah. You know, it's. How did, how did you feel? On Frederick Dannon's book, um, hit men, power brokers, and fast money inside the music business. Um, you were compared very favorably with that book, and that was listed by Billboard as one of the 100 greatest music books of all time. Um, how did you feel about that comparison? Well, I, I was a different Stephen then. What did I do? 
I knew how to buy music. I knew how to put it on the radio. As a manager and a producer, I did it. I put some of the biggest junk ever on radio. <laughs> and they were good guys, but we were putting out junk. The new edition. I mean, what I wanted to do in it, it's in the book. I wanted everyone in America to believe that they could do it, so can I. I didn't want you to think they were better than you. Bobby Brown, I did the whole thing. And then, you know... Bobby Brown's a bit just, of a worry. It got so disgusting. <laughs> it, it just got so disgusting. Whitney Houston? Yeah. My band, a band called Material, who I represented it, they put her on the, her first record. And Clive Davis called me, and we got into a fight. He told me I'm destroying her career. And I'm like, what are you talking about? She's a backup singer. He dressed her up and put her out as a star. She had a great voice. She had a great voice. she wasn't voice. a goddess. Great and she voice. wasn't a goddess. That's what I teach in the book. Yeah. She was human. And she couldn't live the lie. Michael Jackson, one of the worst human beings you'll ever meet. He thought everyone was his. In, in my new book, I call it, talk about subjects and objects, all right? And this, I'm diving, I'm delving off, but not really. So these people, they look at everyone as their object. How do I get them to buy my music? That's what that book you just talked about, Hitman's all about. Those days are long gone, but it's the same theory. How do I make people understand they need me to get through their day? That's the whole game. There's incredible, you know, it must be for somebody who's just an, an ordinary person like we all are to be in the spotlight and have that much pressure on them and have so many agents and managers and, and hangers on and people pulling them in every Vampire. direction. The pressure vampires. must be unbelievable. They're vampires. They feed off their blood. You know, no one's special, no one's more unique or extraordinary than anyone else. All of us have those three capabilities. You're a special, unique, and extraordinary person. You just need your team and go live your dream. We came here as a dream. So what, what, you know? what was it that, that changed the old Stephen to the new Stephen? Did you wake up in the middle of the night one morning and go, ah, shit, I've been doing it all wrong. I've got to change. So I'm going to write this book book and uh so what inspired you to change and to to write this book new book okay it's a little bit different my whole life if you look at every artist i've had they were not accepted at first i have always been the boy and i'm still a boy i'm peter pan i believe in people if you have a message let's get it out we're here to share messages I had Genesis before they had hits. I had Peter Gabriel before he had hits. ELO is the first band I really had. I loved ELO. Yeah. But, you know, I just was able to perpetuate them. But, you know, with the artists that I worked and created and worked and built their careers, we had to figure out how to get people to become aware that they exist. But the message got lost. It was all about how much money can I make out of them instead of how much love can we share so each and every one of us are inspired to see, like, Nights in White Satin, right? Yeah. Never meeting to end. Beauty I've, I've never seen before, right? It's like, just look around you. Stop worrying about tomorrow. Stop living in the future. You have a gift. The gift is you're living right here, right now. You know, yeah. it's, um, it's when that's, you know, Fatboy sang, sang it, right? Yeah, right here, right now. So what, 
you you travel all the time and you've got close bonds in LA and London and New York City. You live in Miami, and um, so where's your spiritual well, home? More than that. I saw you the I saw you the other day at Chateau Marmont in LA, and you look pretty comfortable there. <laughs> oh, I because I was with people, right? I yeah. love people. I was I was with creative people. You know, people looking at me like I'm a ticket to get a record deal today. Do you realize you're singing ice cream? That's not what you want to do. You want to sing a seed. You want people to be inspired by you, not to make some idiot song that I could maybe put in a commercial so I could sell you stuff that you don't need. It's the low spark of high heel boys. What are they doing to people? I remember Robert Plant. I will never do a commercial. You know, I'll tell you a story no one knows. Here's a story for you. In 1981, when they put out their paper bag album, yep. remember that? Yep. Okay, Atlantic Records calls me in because I am, I am your protector. I'm a sword and a shield. That's all I know how to do. So they say to me, okay, okay, here's what we want. Stephen, how do we stop radio stations from playing the whole album? I said, it's easy. They go, how do you do that? I said, Let's fire ASCAP and revoke the public performance license and make each radio station agree to our terms to play it. They go, what are the terms? I said, they can't play more than two songs uninterrupted. Then they can't copy it. No one's going to do that in those days. Mm. So they're like jumping up and down, bum, bum, bum. You know, this is great. I'm there with Peter Grant and, you know, and and everyone's like, yeah, 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 yeah. But Peter Grant, they were involved in a record label. And I think the band was called City Boy. Well, all of a sudden, the promotion staff goes, you can't let Mishat do that. They go, why? They, because if he does that, they won't play City Boy. We need them to play City Boy by doing favors for Led Zeppelin. And I looked at them. I go, who are you representing? And quantity does not give you quantity. You know, yeah. quality gives you quantity. And they don't teach that to you in the schools of economics. They don't teach you the lies. You know, they teach you their lies. Well, you know, you could sell a million records. No, you can't. What's your message? You know, and what you asked me about in the 80s, I had all these bands that had no message. Yeah. And I was playing games. You know, I had Donny Osmond. Remember Donny Osmond? Yep. <laughs> I tried to get Gianni Versace, who was my friend, to dress Donny Osmond. And he said to me, this time, Stephen, you've gone too far. I go, why? He goes, why would you waste your talent? on someone that has no message. Right. I said, what are you talking about? He said, he could buy my clothes. I'm not giving it to him. And at the same time, I had an artist named Colonel Abrams, who we broke all over the world wearing Versace leather. And Bobby Brown, I gave him my suit on Don't Be Cruel because I wanted him to be different than every other kid on the street. Right. It's a good-looking uniform. And that's how that record broke. Right. That's how it exactly broke, right? Yeah. And... So what happened was Johnny Versace, after we had that hit record, I got hold of him and I said, you know something? You just told me the truth. He says, what are you telling me, Stephen? I said, Donny what Versace said to me is, instead of you, instead of you putting your power in the Versace, uh, Donny Osmond, why don't you do it? You have a message. This guy's just stealing from you. Yeah. He doesn't know what to do. After this record, he won't know what to do. He came to me and says, now what do we do? And I'm like, oh, my God, there was nothing there. Yeah. We had a band called The System. Don't Disturb This Groove. Great groove. No group. I got them a new record deal. And when I got them their new record deal, they took all the money and built the studio. 
I'm like, what are you doing? I didn't do this so you could do that. You know, it's, I'm like, it's, it was horrible. I wanted to go conquer the world with sharing your truths, your dreams, your realities. Yeah. People need to hear real stories. Stop telling me I'm wearing Gucci. It's like, and what are you going to do with Gucci? Stop telling me you want gold. What does gold do for you? You can't eat it. You can't reproduce on it. You can't sleep on it. But we don't tell you why gold is so important to us. And that story is in my new book called The Book of Earth. Earthlings and why and how we were created. Stephen, I'll tell you the story. We've run out of yeah. t- time, unfortunately. But um, I would love to speak to you further. And I w- we, we must have lunch um, as soon as I get back into, into L.A. tomorrow. We'll, we must get, we'll get together and have lunch at Marmont. That would be good. I'd enjoy that. And um, I would be on, I'd be honored. I like it. Before you go, bye bye. Yeah. What bands were you in in the sixties? I was I was performing in Australia in those days. I had a um, four records. I had one one hit record called Goodbye Sam, Hello Samantha, which was a cover of the um, Cliff Richard song, and uh, we got to number four. And we had we had three top forties, but the others were down at the real dead end of the. 30s. <laughs> However, it was good fun while you, it was My dad years. managed a man named Shel Tammy. Do you remember him? No, I don't. Shel Tammy discovered the Kinks and the Who. Uh, he did all their beginning albums. Yeah, We're the most talented people. Were both great. And his talent was to help other people be talent, right? Yeah. He played, and here's why I just said that to you. He put, the first Australian band I ever met. Yeah, was a band called the Easy Beats. Remember? Oh yeah, that Friday on my mind. Great song. That was his. Yeah, yeah, what fantastic a, song. Fantastic. All right, mate, I, the band. I'll, I'll let you go because I can talk to you all day, and I'm honoured you called me. Thank you. I look forward to having lunch at the um, at the Marmot. Now, if somebody or wants we'll to find get, another place, yeah, or, or another place. So, if somebody wants to um, get in touch with you, uh, how do they do that? Go to my website. Well, you can get me on Facebook and all those places. Okay. But if you go to my website, Stephen, listen to this one. Someone took my name. I'm like, you want to play a game with me? All right. So my mother named me Elliot, Stephen Elliot Mishat. So my website is StephenEMishat.com. Okay. StephenEMishat.com. Dot com. Okay. I mean, the book's God's Gangsters in Honor. Yep. The new book is called Spiritual Insomnia, which the Catholic Church doesn't like. But in it, what I do, and you would love this, and I assume you read some of them, yep. I, I give you my knowledge through song and dance. That's what it's all about. Through song and dance, you share what you're aware of, and you make other people aware of it. Yep. You know, it's, the songs of the 60s were all about winning and losing love. There's no romance in the music anymore today. No, that's you know, true. you may get an Ed Sheridan song called Perfect, which is so beautiful, you know? Yeah. It's with Don Arden. We represented Air Supply, and I did the song with them called uh, Making Love Out of Nothing at All. And I'm not selling Stephen right now, but listen to that song. We're out of time, unfortunately, but thank you very much for speaking with me on the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. And I'll be back with more of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show on Voice America Business after this short break. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network.
You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the 403rd Bob Pritchard Straight Talking Absolutely No Bullshit Business Radio Show on Voice America Business Network. And we're broadcasting today right across the world from our studio on Hollywood Boulevard in Hollywood, California, where technology meets entertainment. A global research house says sales of petrol and diesel cars have passed their peak. And by 2030, more than 60% of all car sales will be electric vehicles. Now, this follows Tesla's delivery of 96,000 cars during the last three months, besting its previous record of 91,000 cars. And Tesla's facing increased competition for the high-end electric sports car market. As automakers from Ford to Jaguar invest billions of dollars developing electric lineups. Volkswagen and Mercedes-Benz are selling their new battery electric vehicles with plans to roll out more models in the next couple of years. Jaguar's I-Pace all-electric SUV swept industry awards at the New York Auto Show just a few months ago. Analysts expected the annual growth rate of electric vehicles to be about 20%, and the 2018 numbers are in. And total US EV sales came in at 362,000, up 81%. So they anticipated 20%, and sales of electric vehicles were up 81%, according to the tracking website. Have you got your electric vehicle yet? I must admit, I've looked at a Tesla half a dozen times. I haven't actually bought one yet. Um, So, mm, but I'm getting closer. Research by Bloomberg at New Energy Finance said sales of internal combustion passenger vehicles have peaked and may never recover. By 2030, BNEF expects nearly 60% of all new car sales and almost a third of all cars to be electric. Passenger electric vehicles will rise from 2 million in 2018 to 28 million in 10 years' time and 56 million in 15 years' time. That's up 28 times what it is today. So those conclusions are stark for fossil fuels use in road transport. I think the other thing that's interesting is that last week the United States, for the first time, produced more power from alternative energies than it did from coal. So it's the first time that... Um, alternative energies, wind, solar, water, etc., surpassed that of coal. And about time too, because coal fucks up everything. Um, electrification will still take time because the global fleet changes slowly. But once it gets rolling in the early 2020s, it starts to spread to many area, other areas of road transport. Um Tesla's already got its um, long-haul trucks electric. They look so sharp. And the main driver for this will be the cost of electric vehicles. One of the biggest problems now is that um, electric vehicles are pretty exy. And it's expected that the prices will fall to parity by pretty much next year. 
as well as an increase in available models that will help fuel it along. Despite aggressive growth of EV passenger vehicles, BNF said heavy trucks will be slower to become battery powered and uh, fewer than a fifth of heavy trucks such as long haul freight or mining vehicles will be EVs, but they won't be powered by gas, they'll be powered by natural gas or hydrogen. BNEF said the forecast increase in electric vehicles could cause electricity consumption levels to grow by 7% globally per annum, and that could possibly put a strain on the grid. So when you think about it, though, cars are only used 20 only used two or three hours a day. So 21, 22, 23 hours a day, they um, are not working. So there's plenty of ways that we can control the amount of power taken off the grid. So the answer to whether the country's electric grids are prepared for electric vehicles and the mass number of them, the answer is yes, the grid can handle the introduction of large amounts of EVs, the capabilities there. What is needed is not more power, it's more efficiently and strategically provided power. So there's plenty of time to charge with 21 hours a day or so for most cars. So there's a, a lot of flexibility. So it's not a problem. If you've been worried about the grid, and I've had lots and lots of people say to me, what about the grid? We can't, we haven't got enough power. We're going to run short of power. We'll have to, you know, that, that's all just stirring the pot. So with the potential for EVs to become power sources for homes and for emergency backup power after disasters, because your EV will power your house. So that's a huge advantage with the cost of power the way it is. Utilities will also have to start planning for power to be able to flow in two directions. And they may need to figure out how to hook it all to rooftops and to solar and energy storage. So there's a bit of work to be done from a technical point of view, but the will is there, the technology's there, the new vehicles are really spectacular, and so there ain't nothing stopping electric vehicles. So I had somebody, I had an Uber driver tell me this morning that he thought electric vehicles were 10 years away before people had electric vehicles. Ain't true. Now, remember, if you're not living on the edge, you're taking up too much space. Get out of the road. Let somebody get past you that wants to succeed, that's got a burning desire to succeed. Don't slow them down. Don't put roadblocks in their way. You know, it's easier and more rewarding to do the impossible than it is to do the ordinary. Any bastard can do the ordinary. That's easy. And if you're always trying to be normal, you'll always be boring. And you'll never know just how amazing and exciting you can be. Do you go along to a party and you're the most boring person there? Well, it's your bloody fault. Get excited about something. In the meanwhile, have a great week. Continue to be successful because the alternative to success really sucks. This is Bob Pritchard saying goodbye from Hollywood, California. You've been listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Please join us again next Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. 
Until then, enjoy another week of success in your business and your life.